Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and we are going to understand what Jesus meant when he described a life that can be blessed beyond measure. As a matter of fact, Jesus describes it this way, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What exactly did Jesus mean? Well, today we're going to break that down and we're going to understand exactly how God can bless our lives to the point that literally it's beyond measure. Today, I want to call today's message, Blessed Beyond Measure. I want to talk to you for a moment out of Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is a very special verse to me. It has been special to me uh, because of what God has been doing in mine and Sadie's life, particularly this year. Notice what Jesus says, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be given into your lap. For the measure with which you used will be measured back to you. What an incredible statement by Jesus. Today, I want to talk about what does a life look like that God is able to bless, What is a life that is blessed beyond measure? Now, most of us think we know what a blessing is, but I want to kind of repackage it today, and I want us to think about what a true biblical blessing really is. Most of us, we would categorize a blessing, we would define it as something that God does for us, right? This morning, if you woke up and there was a roof over your head, then you are blessed. If you drove to church in an automobile today, you are blessed. If you have a job with a steady income, you are blessed. If you ate breakfast this morning, or at least had the ability to eat breakfast this morning, then you are blessed. But for believers, for Christ followers, for for those of us who want to radically follow Jesus Christ, I want us to redefine what a blessing is. A blessing is not just what God does for me. Do you know what a true blessing is? It's what God is able to do through me. And when God can, when I go beyond God being able to do things for me to God being able to bless through me, then I am walking in a different level of blessing. And I want my life to be highly blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Some people to go, oh Lord, here's another preacher preaching on money again. No, I don't want your money. Let me tell you, you know, you know how much stuff a blind man wants? Not much. I'm I'm serious. Not much. Somebody give me money. I'm just going to buy airwaves with it. That's all I'm going to buy. Radio time and all that. I I don't. There's nothing I want. I'm amazed at how I used to walk around places like Best Buy. Oh. And I'd walk around the flat screens. I'd walk around the laptops and the tablets and even the washer and dryers. And think, man, I wish I could have this. Man, I wish I had two of those. I walk around places now and don't want a thing. That's one of the blessings of blindness. The Lord takes covetousness out of your heart in a great way. I don't want your money today. I want to preach to you today 
the same principles that I am living by now that has really changed my life. Three simple things today. And I say simple because our lives are complex, are they not? Your decisions are complex. Your responsibilities are complex. For many of you, your finances are complex. But if we will understand three very simple things, if we will increase our understanding of just three simple things, you know what? If we get this straight, everything else will straighten out from there. I not only know what I'm talking about in an intellectual way, I know it through life experience. Because let me tell you how Sadie and I used to be. We used to be on the sidelines of giving. Did you know that? I want to be very transparent with you today. We were the Christians who loved God with all of our hearts and who gave all of ourselves to kingdom work. But when it came to our money, it's not that we didn't want to. It's that we thought we couldn't. And for a long time, I took the bait. For a long time, I believed the lie that I couldn't afford to give. And then there came a defining moment in our lives. There came a defining moment in our marriage where we said we're going to draw a line in the sand and we're not, no longer are we going to give God what's left, we're going to give God what's right. He's not going to get the back end, he's going to get the front end. And we're going to take God at his word. And since then I cannot tell you, I cannot even begin to express to you the change that has come into our lives. Several years ago, we were not tithers. We would give where we can, when we can, if we could, which was rare. And we decided to take the disciplined, systematic approach to say, God, here's what you give us, and here's what we're going to set aside. Not second, not third, not fifth, not ninth, first. You know what the first fruits mean? It means you bring God first what you earn. And we said, God, we're going to give this to you. And we have a growing family. And we have many responsibilities. And, 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 and it seems as though there's more than what we can handle. But God, we're going to take you at your word. We're going to give you what's right, not what's left. And my, oh my. Let me tell you what happened. Let me fast forward. I am so thankful to the Lord today that we went from the ranks of a non-tither to the ranks of a tither. And this year, the Lord said something to me that I would have never dreamed him to say. Especially back when we couldn't give, though we thought, uh, it's what we thought. And do you know what the Lord told us this year? The Lord said, Chad, look back at how much I've done for you. Look how faithful I've been to you. Look how much I've blessed you. The Lord said, now you give me 10%, but look how comfortable you are now. You couldn't hardly do it when you started and now it's just the normal rhythm of your week. People get paid different ways. I get paid weekly, so we tithe weekly. And the Lord said, look, you've went from not being able to barely keep your head above water. I mean, my head was above water, but it was like that. <laughs> One disaster and we're sunk. And the Lord said, I want you to go. This is very clear. The Lord said... I want you to up your tithing. I want you to up the percentage. 
And so me and Sadie talked about it at the first of the year. And we decided to trust God and do that. And now, many months later, it's part of the normal weekly rhythm. And God has helped us in every twist, in every turn, in every disaster. God has helped us. In a moment, I'm going to teach this scripture, but let me share this with you as well. And I say this to boast in the faithfulness of the Lord. The beginning of this year, the Lord told us that whatever he gave to us extra, we are to give away. We created an account, and we call that our seed bucket. (laughs) We call it our bucket of seed. And any extra we would put into that account all year long, and we would... And the Lord would tell us, give to this or give to that or put this on our heart and put this on. And at first, in the beginning, it's like a little extra would come and we would have the money there and then God would say, give it away. But then God began to grow our faith even more and God began to put people and churches and works on our heart. And so God would say, I want you to do this amount for this people, for this work. And me and Sadie would talk about it and we would say, I'd say, are you in agreement? If God gives us this much, we'll give it to them. She'd say, I'm in full agreement. And we would pray and we'd say, God, it's your interest. It's your work. Whatever you want to do. And sure enough, it would come and we would give to that work. Well, at the beginning of the summer, I sensed the Lord. Now think think how clear this is. I sensed the Lord said, you're done with that for right now. Just for right now. But the Lord said, whatever anyone gives you, Uh, It's for your family. That's what the Lord said very specifically. And then, sure enough, we had a very serious need come up, a very serious need arise. We didn't say anything to anyone. We didn't say anything to nobody. And a family who we're friends with invited us over for dinner. We enjoyed a great dinner and went into their living room afterward and was spending some time together. And then they told us, they said, guys, the reason we invited you over is because the Holy Spirit has spoke something to our heart. And the Lord has told us to give you guys a gift. And they said, this is, they said, so specific, they said, this is for your family. Me and Sadie looked at each other. Well, I, she looked at me. I think I looked at her. I can't be sure. <laughs> Because they said exactly what the Holy Spirit had told us. And you know what? It met that need entirely. So today I want to talk to you as carefully as I can. Because we've all heard preachers abuse sermons like this. But I want to talk to you as carefully as I can about the simplicity of generosity. I want to distill some of this complexity out of our lives and show us that in reality, generosity is a very simple decision. And if we'll make this decision, we will live lives that God has the ability to put his blessing all over us. Amen? So, notice Jesus says, give, and it will be given. What's it? It is whatever you give. (laughs) Some of you, you desire to be closer to the Lord today. Your heart's desire is to grow closer to Christ. And you're saying, how do I do this? May I propose to you that if you would begin to give back to the Lord, that would happen? What if you, in, in, in your giving, what if you gave yourself to someone else and began to help them grow spiritually? 
What if you began to mentor someone? What if you began to disciple someone and you said, hey, let's me and you, let's go to lunch once a week or coffee once a week or why don't you come over to my house and why don't we study God's word together? Could it be that what you gave that person, you get back? Some of you, your marriages have weathered incredible storms. And you would have the ability to take a young couple who perhaps they're struggling or they're on the brink. And if you gave back to them, you gave your story, you gave your experience, you gave God's faithfulness, the story of how God helped you. Could it be that God would help your marriage even more? Some of you have skills and abilities that you could give to the Lord. Let me tell you, we just went through, uh, we're, we're looking to do um, some, some pretty big family life renovation stuff. And, and, and the, the city told us that, you know, we'd have to hire an architect. And so we bring some people in and, oh, man, have you ever priced an architect? Well, don't, because it's bad. It's not good. And this... Small area that we're needing to do. I mean, it's small. It's not $8,900. And Sadie will tell you, I'm tight. She says I'm cheap. I say I'm frugal. But I am tight. And I'm even tighter with church funds. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, this $8,900. God, I can't. No, I don't like this. Lord, help us. And all of a sudden, there's a brother in our church who heard what we're doing, had no idea this was sitting in our church. And he comes up, Pastor Chad, I've got some experience in that. I've got a background of that. Could I help? This brother saves us $9,000 because he gave his skill. He gave his knowledge. He gave his ability. Do you realize that right now in our church, we got about 150 volunteers who week in and week out make this whole place tick, makes the whole thing work because they give of their time, they give of their talents, they give of their knowledge, they give of their skills and their abilities. This church could not function the way we function unless people gave of themselves. What is it that if we didn't hold back, but we brought who we are and what we have, and we bring our skills, and we bring our knowledge, we bring our abilities, we bring our time, and we bring our finances, and we put them on the table for God, and say, God, here, this is what I have. God, may you use it. I'm telling you, the blessings of God would come all over your life. You want to know how it will come? In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Do you know what that means? See, back, back in the Bible days, you didn't buy food by the pound like we do it today or by the quart or the ounce. No, how you bought it was by the measure. So you would go to the marketplace, you would buy a measure of grain, and you know how they would give you a measure? They, would, they wouldn't fill the measure full. What they would do is they would fill it three-fourths full, and then they would take their hands and they would pack it in. You know why they pack it in? So that there's no room left. They're using up every bit of it. And then the next step is they would fill it up again, and then they would shake it really good. And you know why they would shake it? They fill in any empty spaces, any empty gaps. And then, do you know what they would do? Then they would fill it up into a cone shape, and it would just pour over and spill over. And this is exactly what God says He wants to do in our lives. He wants to bless us beyond measure. 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what God wants to do for us. That's how he wants to work in our lives. But there are a few things we got to understand. If you're going to take notes today, let me just give you three simple things. And I say simple because this is not complex. Number one, note this. There is one simple principle that we must understand. One principle. And do you know what that biblical principle is? It's called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Now, why does God compare his blessings in our life to sowing and reaping? Well, you have to understand how God designed creation. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 12, God says, this is before he created mankind, vegetation, he created all vegetation upon the earth. And when vegetation came forth, guess what came with vegetation? Seed. As trees came forth, guess what trees brought forth? Seed. As fruit came forth, guess what they brought with them? Seed. God designed. He packed into the power of a seed the ability to reproduce itself. And you know what the interesting thing is about seeds? When you plant, when you put a seed into the ground, do you know what you get? Genesis 1.12. Seeds are created in their own likeness. It's, you, you don't plant a tomato seed and then scratch your head and go, well, how'd I get potatoes? How'd that happen? That doesn't happen, does it? When you sow a seed, what do you get? Exactly what you sowed. Jesus said, give, and what will be given back? It. It's called the theology of it. Whatever you sow... You reap back. Isn't that incredible? And what God wants us to know is what he designed in creation, he has designed in our life, in our spiritual lives. So what you put into the ground, you get back the exact same thing. What else when you put a seed into the ground? Do you get one thing back? Is that how it works? No. You get more. Why? Because there's power in that seed. You get more than what you originally sowed. And you know what the trouble is with many of our lives? So many of us, we want God to meet our needs, but most of us don't sow any seeds. Is that truth? Come on now. Come on now. You, you were helping me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're going to have our needs met, we need to be sowing our seeds. We need to take God at his word. So this is not complicated. Listen to this. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul says, the point, everybody say the point. The point is this. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. Amen. See, do you realize there's very few things in your life you can control? You can't control many things. You can't control trials. You know that? James 1, 2. The Bible says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. You know what that word encounter means in the Greek? A scheduled appointment. You can't control trials. This blindness was a listen God had it right on schedule and I counted as joy in my life 
It's a scheduled thing. You can't control scheduled trials. You can't control death. Do you realize that? You know, the statistics on death are pretty impressive. Do you know one in every one dies? Think about that. One in one. You don't get better than that. The Bible says, Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man to die once, and then after this, the judgment. You have an appointment with death that you can't control. You can't control other people and what they do. But do you know what the one thing you can control is? Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. You can control, give And it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The point is that we must sow. If you want God to work in your life, you have to sow. If you want a produce, you have to put something into the ground. Now, there's a problem. Everybody say the problem. The point is... Sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. But the problem is fear. That's our problem. Fear. I don't know if you've ever done much reading about the Dust Bowl of 1934. That is what made the Great Depression the Great Depression. It was triggered by the stock market crash in October 29. It triggered it. But the market would have bounced back. The market is not the real cause of the Great Depression. The real cause was the drought. The real cause was the Dust Bowl in the Midwest. Do you realize how scared farmers were to sow seed? You can imagine if you lived at that time as a farmer and you provided at that time for your entire family, your whole livelihood was that of crops. You can imagine how scary it was to take your last bag of seed and put it into the ground. No rain. Winds were so fierce. Do you realize that historians tell us, you can Google this for yourself, over 800 tons Oh, I say 800. It may be eight tons. Oh, you'll have to fact check me. That'll give you a good reason to look it up. Let's just be safe and say tons and tons of topsoil was removed by dust and winds. By uh, winds and, uh, and uh, yeah, winds. Tons was literally, this was topsoil and seed were picked up and carried off. Fear is a reason why we don't give to God as we should. Fear is a reason why I didn't tithe for a long time. Fear was the reason, well, what if an emergency happens? What if there's not enough? What if I sink? What if? There's so many what ifs in life. And do you know what happened for me and Sadie? We had to come to a place where we had to settle. Listen, I settled two questions in my heart. Before I set up weekly tithing, that I was going to take this, what to me was a massive amount, what to me was very precious seed. I mean, I, 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 I mean look, we, we got a growing family. I mean, we don't have a lot of margin there. 
It's not like we're playing the lottery with this stuff. It's not like, you know, it's not like it's, it's you know, you know if, if we lose it, no big deal. No, this was precious seed. This was what I thought we couldn't do without. You understand what I'm saying? And when we said, I had to settle two questions in my heart. Is God who he says he is? And will God do what God says he will do? I had to settle that. And do you know what happened when I settled that? Let me tell you the second thing I learned. Number one, the simple principle. What you sow you reap. And that doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. That doesn't matter what your income bracket is. That doesn't matter where you are in your career or what age your children are. This is a principle that is all across the board. So you can't sit there and say, well, when I get better financially or, you know, when I get more independent or when I retire or when the kids go to college or whatever, you can't do that. This is a principle that's all across the board. I mean, you can do that, but guess when the blessings will come? Not till then. <laughs> I wish I had done this years ago. I wish I had taken God at his word, as I do today. So, this led me from this principle, that what you sow, you reap, to the next principle. God is my only source. God is my only source. What grocery stores do you guys shop at? Just... Tell me where you usually shop. I couldn't understand the words you said. Aldi, Walmart, Food City, Sam's, Kroger, Ingles. Now you're just naming grocery stores, aren't you? That's all right. I appreciate the help. <laughs> now let me ask you a question. <clears throat> now listen, these are simple principles. We're taking the complexity of our lives, the complexity of our fears, and we're distilling it down to very simple. Is the grocery store that you shop at, is that the source of your food? No. It's a channel. It is a resource. But is it the source? Absolutely not. If Kroger, if those of you who shop at Kroger, if they go out of business this week, what will you do? You'll go to Ingalls. You'll go to Aldi. You'll go to Food City. You'll go to Walmart. You'll go to Target. You can even go to Big Lots. Crying out loud, they have food. You can go anywhere and find, the, find a channel for food. The grocery store where you shop is not your source. Well, guess what, my friends? Your job is not your source. However you gain your income, that is, not, that is the channel, that is the resource with which God blesses you, but it is not the source. Only God is our source, amen? And when we come to this understanding, it makes our fears incredibly irrational. Well, what if I don't have enough? Well, what if, what if an emergency happens? What if this comes up? What if, what if this breaks? What if this goes wrong? With, listen, if God is our source, how irrational are our fears? Don't sit there with precious seed that you don't put into the ground. Because how can God meet your need without you sowing the seed? How can God give you produce? How can God give you a harvest without you putting something in the ground? 
And why do we not put something in the ground? It's not because we have bad attitudes. I, I don't think, see, I think, I think most of, of the ones who, who don't give consistently, I think, you're, I think many of you are just like me and Sadie. It's not that I didn't want to. It's that I was afraid to. But when I began to see God as my ultimate source, all that fear went away. You know what we do right now with Awaken to Grace literally takes thousands and thousands of dollars. And I get scared sometimes. I really do. It's a, it's a huge commitment. It's a big weight on my shoulders. And God wore me out a couple of weeks ago. A very good friend of mine who has been a very heavy supporter of Awaken to Grace. He goes to another church. And he's a big supporter of Awaken to Grace. A big supporter. And he called me up out of the blue. And he said, Chad, I would like to schedule a meeting with you Monday morning. I said, okay. He said, I want to talk to you about your projects and what you're working on. Okay. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to bring my checkbook. Whew. You know what I did? I began going... Oh, God, you know my needs, Lord. You know I need this and I need that. God, if you'll put on his heart, God, if you would speak to him about this, oh, God. And you know what? I went from having faith to feeling panicked. Now, how does that happen? And God wore me out. And God, he, I'm telling you, God came to me and said, listen, this brother, God knows his name. I'm not going to tell you his name. He said, Chad, is he your source? No, he's not, Lord. Then quit looking to him. Quit praying about this. I'm your source. Amen? God uses people as channels. God uses your job as channels. God uses all kinds of channels. But only God is our source. Why would we fear if God is our source? Lastly today, the one decision... Now, the one principle is sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. It's a principle. It works. God doesn't have respecter of persons. It'll work for me. It'll work for you. It's a principle. Number two, God's our source. There's only one source. It's God Almighty. So don't fear. Number three, there's really only one decision to make. You know, I flip-flop back and forth with being healthy. Do you flip-flop back and forth? I'll go a stint where I try real hard, and then I go a stint where I just bomb it, right? More so on the latter end than the front end. But, you know, sometimes we feel like the choice, you know, healthy choices can feel overwhelming, can't they? But, you know, in reality, if you just make one choice to be healthy... That guides all your other decisions. You don't have to make all kinds of health choices. You just have to make one choice. I'm going to live a healthy lifestyle. And out of that one choice, all your decisions are based. We make things so much harder than what they are, don't we? The same, it's the same in generosity. You make one choice. I am going to live a generous life. I'm going to give to God all that I have generously. And as you make that choice, you'll find it affects all your other decisions. 
Every week when Sadie and I tithe, we're not wringing our hands going, well, now should we give this week or should we not? No. We've made one choice. We're going to be generous. And, 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 and if you're taking notes, let, let me say this. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm just feeling led to say this. There are, there are two areas of giving that I want to grow in, and I encourage you to grow in this too. The first one is in a disciplined, systematic way. I'll just tell you right now, Sadie and I are not disciplined when it comes to money. Is anyone else in those ranks? I heard a mumble. We, we just don't do great with money. If there is any money laying in our bank account, it's going to vanish. Somebody's going to get it. And normally it's Italianos or something like that. But something's going to get that money. We have to be disciplined. We are not naturally disciplined with our resources. So what we have to do is we have to say, Okay, God, this is what you require of us. This is what you ask for. So God, what we're going to do is we're going to create a system of discipline. So we set up our e-giving. I'm telling you, it debits. It takes right out. Why? Because if I wait till the end of the week and come to church, there's nothing left. Burger King got it. Italiano's got it. Walmart got it. Target got it. Too many hands in the pot. And we have to say, God, we want to systematically be disciplined. Here is what is right. Right off the top, here is our first fruits. I call that percentage giving. God says 10%. That's percentage giving. But then I'm growing in this area that I'll call Holy Spirit prompting giving. That's, that's different than the percentage. The percentage is locked. It's set. It's disciplined. It's systematic. That is my first fruits unto the Lord. But see, then there are other times the Holy Spirit prompts me. Help this person. Give to this mission. Give to this church. Support this Bible translation work. Do this, do this, do this. That's promptings of the Holy Spirit. I want to be sensitive to both. Because do you know what God... Listen what the Bible says. Here's God's promise. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear this, Lord. And Lord, help me to say this very carefully. And help us to hear. Give us ears to hear. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11. God says, I will enrich you in every way to be generous in every way. Hallelujah. And listen what God says. As your generosity increases, as I make the decision to be generous, here's what God says he'll bring into my life. A harvest of righteousness. Now come on. You with me right now? I need you to be with me right here. Here's what God is saying to me. Chad, don't worry about your financial needs. I can easily take care of your financial needs. Here's what you can't do, Chad. You cannot bring righteousness into your children. You cannot bring righteousness into your family. You cannot obtain righteousness of your own. This is a blessing that only I can give you. 
And as we have upped our standard of giving, as we have followed the promptings of the Holy Spirit, as we have given, as God tells us to give, do you know what I full well expect from the Lord? A harvest of righteousness within my family. What would your family look like? What would your children look like if there was greater righteousness within your home? Amen. And some of us have a greater need than what money could ever produce. We need the favor of God on us. We need righteousness in our homes. And God says, you be faithful to give. You be faithful in the things that I say. God says, I'll give you what money cannot give you. I'll give you a harvest of righteousness. Hallelujah. These are the promises of God. The question. See, here's the question. Not, am I going to be okay? God promises I'm going to be okay. The question is not, am I going to be okay? The question is, do I believe God is who he says he is? The question is, do I trust God in every area of my life? Especially my finances. God says, I want to bless you. I'm ready to bless you. I am able to bless you. Read 2 Corinthians 9. I think it's verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, Scripture says. There was a season of our church. We were not doing well financially. And let me just say this. I'm not preaching this money because we need better offerings. You realize that? That's that's not the motive here. I'm not preaching toward that. I'm preaching toward your life being blessed beyond measure. That's my motive. That's my purpose. But there was a season, there was a time years ago that we were barely making it and there didn't seem to be enough. And you know what the Lord told me to do? The Lord told me to write that scripture, having all sufficiency in all things at all times that we may abound in every good work. And God said, write it and put it in the offering log. And you know what the cover of our offering log was? It was that verse. And I began to take God at his word. I began to take him at his word. And let me tell you, God's blessings are on us. So what's your definition of a blessing today? Is it what God can do for you? Or is it what God can do through you? What a difference. The one principle, sowing and reaping. The one source, God Almighty. And the one decision, live a life of generosity. Don't accept fear in your life. Don't accept it. Step out. Obey God. And I'm telling you, God will bless your life. Let's bow our heads today. Why don't you just settle some things in your heart right now? Why don't you settle some things? Why don't you do what I did and settle once and for all? Is God who he says he is? And will God do what he says he will do? Why don't you view what God has given you as seed? 
And what are you going to do? You're going to keep it in barns? <laughs> You're just going to fill your barns with seed? Or are you going to put it in the ground? And are you going to let God do for you what money could never do for you and bring a harvest of righteousness into your family and into your life? been looking for needs to be met but yet you've not sown any seed settle it today what God did in creation he's done in your life spiritually do it God's way for once do it God's way and you won't regret it just settle it today is God who he says he is Will God do what he says he will do? And then stack that up beside your fears. And I think you'll find the same thing I found. All of my fears were completely and totally irrational. Irrational. They didn't make sense. Not if God is who he says he is. Lord, I thank you for helping us today. God, I thank you for changing my thinking in the area of giving, Lord. I thank you, God, that you taught me what it is to step out in faith. And I'm still learning, Lord. There are things that even right now, God, you're telling me to do that I don't have in the natural. I don't have the ability. But as you bless me, I'll obey you, Lord. I thank you, God, that what we do for you does not go unnoticed. But you see the sacrifices. God, may we be a people of sacrifice. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Teach us, Lord. Don't let us just live mundane lives. Don't let us play it safe. Let us have the kind of faith that says, yes, I know there's tornadoes of disasters happening all around us. I know jobs are closing and plants are closing. and I know the economy looks bad and I know we're in turmoil of elections. And I know, God, Lord, there's just there's dust bowls everywhere. There's tornadoes everywhere. But my seed doesn't belong in a barn. My seed belongs in the ground. And no matter what this economy does, (laughs) I'm in a far greater economy than the U.S. economy. I'm part of God's economy. I have far greater than securities and assets. I've got the kingdom promise that you will never fail. So I thank you, Lord God. May many of us who have been on the sidelines, may we get into the game. May we engage. May we get busy about this great kingdom work. 
And God, may we become radical givers for the glory of God. That your gospel is proclaimed, trumpeted, heralded throughout this entire globe. Thank you, God, for inviting us into such a story. In the name of Jesus, amen.